Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much once again for waking us up and giving us another day to live. Thank you for the protection that you have given us all throughout the night. And today, as we once again study your word and delve into the life of Jesus through the book, The Desire of Ages, may you grant us, dear God, the message that you would have, that you would give us to feed our souls. May your Holy Spirit guide us and give us insights, spiritual insights. And may, through this reading, may we grow in our knowledge of who you are and in and through that, grow in our relationship with you. Thank you so much for everything. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, we are now on the very fifth, number five, fifth chapter of the book, The Desire of Ages. Fifth chapter of the book, The Desire of Ages. And the title for this chapter is The Dedication. Okay, The Dedication. Now, this chapter is based on Luke 2, 21 to 38. So, we're going to be reading that first. Luke 2, 21 to 38. Okay, so let's read. And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And, as it, and it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And there was one, Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Aser. She was of a great age, and had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers day, night and day. And she, coming in that instant, gave thanks likewise unto the Lord, and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Wow. Wow. So that was, that was the summary of the whole story. Now let's dive in to the, um, the book, The Desire of Ages, chapter 5. And uh, let's see all the details surrounding that part of the story of the dedication. So, let's begin and read. About 40 days, 40 days after the birth of Christ, 
Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord and to offer sacrifice. So that is the context. This was according to the Jewish law. And as man's substitute, Christ must conform to the law in every particular. He had already been subjected to the rite of circumcision as a pledge of his obedience to the law. Hmm. By the way, they, in, they were told it, it's part of their practice to circumcise babies at eight days old. Eight days old. Yeah. And that is an interesting. Okay. So, <laughs> let's just proceed. As an offering for the mother, the law required a lamb for of the first year uh, for a burnt offering and a young pigeon or a turtle dove for a sin offering. So they had different kinds of offerings. So this was part of the sanctuary service. But the law provided that if the parents were too poor to bring a lamb, a pair of, or a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons, one for a burnt offering, the other for a sin offering, might be accepted. Wow, so there were provisions for the poor, even in the sanctuary service. Let's proceed. The offerings presented to the Lord were to be without blemish. Without blemish. That's perfect. These offerings represented Christ, and from this it is evident that Jesus himself was free from physical deformity. Now that is an interesting point. Okay, so yesterday we have seen that Jesus had Jesus had accepted human human flesh has infleshed himself with the kind of flesh that we have now subjected not the kind that Adam had perfect but the kind that we have now subject to disease and death okay and the degradation of 4000 4000 4000 years of uh, of a gen of hereditary degradation but um but here he it was emphasized let me just read that part again uh the offerings presented to the lord were to be without blemish these offerings represented christ and from this it is it is evident that jesus himself was free from physical de deformity so the, the lamb the lamb uh, or not not necessarily the lamb but for those who are poor, whatever is going to be their offering for sin, these should be without blemish. These offerings represented Christ. So it has to have no blemish, no physical deformity. So even if Jesus had the same tendencies as we did, he has to have no physical deformity. Jesus himself was free from physical deformity. It says here. Now let's proceed. He was the lamb without blemish and without spot. First Peter one nineteen. His physical structure was not marred by any defect. So we would say that he's a I mean the structure is just is just right. Okay? Healthy, if you will. His physical structure was not marred by any defect. His body was strong and healthy. So there you have it. Jesus' body was strong and healthy. And throughout his lifetime, he lived in conformity to nature's laws. Now, that is very interesting. So, so even if Jesus looked ordinary as a root out of a dry ground, there's, there's, it doesn't have like any super-duper attractions to him. Even if that's the case, he has no physical deformity. He, his body was strong and healthy. And throughout his lifetime... He lived in conformity to nature's laws. He took care of his body. Physically as well as spiritually, he was an example of what God designed all humanity to be through obedience to his laws. Now, that is awesome. So, Jesus is really, Jesus, the Son of God, really came down on earth to demonstrate what it is to be a human being, an ideal human being. So he's, he, he is truly our example, not just in spiritual things, but in physical, physical aspects as well. 
physically as well as spiritually, Jesus was an example of what God designed all humanity to be through obedience to his laws. Okay, let's proceed. The dedication of the firstborn had its origin in the earliest times. God had promised to give the firstborn of heaven to save the sinner. This gift was to be acknowledged in every household by the consecration of the firstborn son. He was to be devoted to the priesthood as a representative of Christ among men. So that is the backstory. Because God had promised that there will be a deliverer, heaven's firstborn. And that's why he also taught the Jewish nation to remember that, to, for Israel to remember that. And so every firstborn child was to be dedicated to nail to nail that that you know that promise that the firstborn of heaven is going to come and be their savior now let's proceed in the deliverance of israel from egypt the dedication of the firstborn was again commanded while the children of israel were in bondage to the egyptians the lord directed moses to go to pharaoh king of egypt and say Thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. And I say unto thee, Let my son go, that he may serve me. And if thou refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn son. I will. Wow. That's from Exodus chapter 4, verses 22 and 23. Moses delivered his message, but the proud king's answer was, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. Exodus chapter 5 verse 2 The Lord worked for his people by signs and wonders, sending terrible judgments upon Pharaoh. At length, the destroying angel was bidden to slay the firstborn of man and beast, or animals, among the Egyptians. That the Israelites might be spared, they were directed to place upon their doorposts the blood of a slain lamb. Every house was to be marked that when the angel came on his mission of death, he might pass over the homes of the Israelites. Mm. So that was the story back then. You need to understand that the Israelites were held captive. Uh, I'm not captive. Okay, so... so <laughs> If you read Exodus, if you read Genesis and Exodus, the the last uh, I mean the last parts of G Genesis gives you will give you the backstory of how how the children of Israel came to the land of Egypt. There was a famine in their land, and they came to the land of Egypt, and there they sojourned there for many years. And um, but there had to be a time when they had to go out and come out of Egypt, and yeah. But but Pharaoh would not let let God's people go, okay. So so that was the story, and um, yeah. So so there were signs and wonders. God demonstrated signs and wonders in Egypt. You could relate to this, even if you're not familiar with the Bible. But if you have, um, if you have watched the this uh, this cartoon. Prince of Egypt, Prince of Egypt. That was the story of Moses. You would know this, and um, yeah. So, so, so several signs and wonders were demonstrated, but Pharaoh still hardened his heart and would not let the Israelites go. And they were, they were slaves. They were treated as slaves already. This was long after Joseph died. Now, what happened is that. <laughs> One of the signs, the, the last, the very last, is for, uh, is about this, this, what we just read, that every firstborn is going to be, is going to be slain unless, unless they painted, they painted a, a blood, I mean, a stroke of blood on their doorposts. And that blood would come from the lamb that they would slain. The lamb is representative of Jesus. And those who 
accept that, those who embrace that, that promise of a Redeemer who would rescue them would be spared, would be spared. But, of course, the Egyptians did not believe in that. So, as part of the signs, indeed, the angel, the angel swept throughout that night and uh, yeah so, so there was uh, all the firstborn even Pharaoh's firstborn was also slain was also slain that's something that's a little bit challenging to that may be a little challenging to digest but don't worry we will be delving into the Old Testament I'm excited about that actually into the Old Testament um, with David Ashrick Yes, we will soon be diving in there. And um yeah. But, but now let's go just go back. So so that was the context of uh, this Passover. Everyone who had painted a blood pa- painted a stroke of blood on their doorpost. They were spared. The firstborn sons were spared essentially. So that so that pointed out to Jesus being the substitute being the the one who's already given the sacrifice and if he did the sacrifice for you already then you're spared so anyway let's proceed here let's let me just recap the the last part of the the previous paragraph that the Israelites might be spared they were directed to place upon their doorposts the blood of a slain lamb every house was to be marked that when the angel came on his mission of death, he might pass over the homes of the Israelites. Pass over. Next. Okay. After sending this judgment upon Egypt, the Lord said to Moses, Sanctify unto me all the firstborn, both of man and of beast. Need to remember that beast here represents the animals. And um, this is in Old English. So, yeah, that's why there's beast. Okay, sanctify unto me all the firstborn, both of man and of beast, it is mine. For on the day that I smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, I hallowed unto me all the firstborn of Israel, both man and beast. Mine shall they be, I am the Lord. Exodus 13, verse 2, and Numbers chapter 3, verse 13. After the tabernacle service was established... So this tabernacle service is the same as the sanctuary service, the sacrificial system, where people brought animals, lamb, certain, certain chosen animals for their offering. So after the tabernacle service was established, the Lord chose the tribe of Levi in the place of the firstborn of all Israel to minister in the sanctuary. Ah, but the firstborn were still to be regarded as the Lord's and were to be brought back, bought back by a ransom. Mm, so so the, you need to understand that the traditions that the Israelites had, those were actually symbols of something. And that not just something, but someone. And those were all symbols of Jesus. The firstborn, all the firstborn of Israel were dedicated for the Lord. They were set apart. They were set apart. For a certain purpose and mission and for a certain role and yeah so they were to minister in the tabernacle service and yeah so later on they were replaced by the tribe of levi okay so there are now the levites who are to be the ministers in the in the services of the tabernacle and um but the firstborn still were still to be regarded as the Lord's and they were still set apart. And they were to be bought back by a ransom. So, so that is a somewhat, not somewhat, but that really points out to Jesus as our ransom. That, that we are brought, bought back as a ransom. I, I mean with the ransom and the ransom is Jesus. Okay, so thus the law for the presentation of the firstborn was made particularly significant. Okay, wow. While it was a memorial of the Lord's wonderful deliverance of the children of Israel, it prefigured a greater deliverance. So that is powerful. So it's not just a, it's not just a, a symbol that 
nailed into the Israelites' memory of their deliverance from Egypt, it also pointed out, it also points out to a great deliverance, a greater deliverance. It prefigured a greater deliverance to be wrought out by the only begotten Son of God. As the blood sprinkled on the doorposts had saved the firstborn of Israel, so the blood of Christ has the power to save the world. So that's it. Jesus is going to be the ransom who will save the rest of the world. Again, let me just repeat that part. As the blood sprinkled on the doorposts had saved the firstborn of Israel, so the blood of Christ has power to save the world. Let's proceed. What meaning then was attached to Christ's presentation? But the priest. So Jesus as a baby was presented to the temple. What meaning then was attached to Christ's presentation? But the priest did not see through the veil. He did not read the mystery beyond. The presentation of infants was common was a common scene. Day after day the priest received the redemption money as the babes were presented to the Lord. Day after day he went through the routine of his work, giving little heed to the parents or children unless he saw some indication that Mary Ah unless he saw some indication of the wealth or high rank of the parents. Wow. So <laughs> It, it was just ordinary people. The priests would notice it, not nothing special. Okay, unless the parents were rich. Um, they might receive a better treatment or something. Or attention, at least. Now, let's proceed. Joseph and Mary were poor. Joseph and Mary were poor. And when they came with their child, the priests saw only a man and a woman dressed as Galileans and in the humblest garments there was nothing in their appearance to attract attention and they presented only the offering made by the poorer classes yes yes okay there was nothing in their appearance to attract attention they did not stand out and they were they just presented the offering made by the poorer classes okay the priest went through the ceremony of his official work, he took the child in his arms and held it up before the altar. After handing it back to its mother, he inscribed the name Jesus on the roll of the firstborn. Little did he think, as the babe lay in his arms, that it was the majesty of heaven. Well, just come to think of that. That was actually the majesty of heaven clothed in human flesh. He did, he did not know. Okay, Little did he think as the babe lay in his arms that it was the majesty of heaven. The king of glory, the priest did not... Yeah, the priest did not think that this babe was the one of whom Moses had written. A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren like unto me. Him shall ye hear in all things, whatsoever he shall say unto you. Acts 3.22 He did not think that this babe was he whose glory Moses had asked to see. But the one greater than Moses lay in the priest's arms. And when he enrolled the child's name, he was enrolling the name of one who was the foundation of the whole Jewish economy. Indeed, everything... All the traditions and all the rites, all the types and symbols used in the Jewish way of life, in the Jewish economy, that pointed out to Jesus. But the priest did not know. He did not realize that. There was nothing, there was, it was just ordinary. It was just an ordinary baby. The name Jesus was to be its death warrant ah the death warrant of the jewish economy for the system of sacrifices and offerings was waxing old the type had almost reached the anti-type and the shadow its substance so you need to understand that the type type and the anti-type the type is a is the symbol and the anti-type is the 
the the object or, or the thing that the symbol represented. So if the lamb was the type, then Jesus is the antitype. Okay? If the lamb was the type, then Jesus is the antitype. The type pointed out, the type is a symbol that pointed out to the antitype. The lamb pointed out to Jesus. The lamb was representative of Jesus. Okay. So, the system of sacrifices and offerings was waxing old, and the type had almost reached its antitype, the shadow, its substance. The shadow and the substance. You will hear that very often from now on, I think. So the shadow, wh what do you see when you stand? When you stand and the, the sun is positioned in a way that you, th that you will be casting a shadow. Okay, that you will be casting a shadow. The shadow is not you, but it represents you. You are the substance. Okay, you are the substance. The shadow is only representing you. But that's not you. You are the substance. So the shadow is going to meet its substance very soon. The shadow is the, the sacrifice, the animal sacrifices. And the substance is Jesus himself, the ultimate sacrifice. Now let's proceed. The Shekinah, the glory. The Shekinah, it's, it's very, the light, the light of the glory of God. The Shekinah had departed from the sanctuary. But in the child of Bethlehem was veiled the glory before which angels bow. Ah. This unconscious babe or baby was the promised seed, the promised seed to whom the first altar at the gate of Eden pointed. This was Shiloh, Shiloh, the peace giver. It was he who declared himself to Moses as the I am. The I am. Remember that encounter of Moses with the burning bush? Okay. Remember the voice that said, I am that I am. That was actually Christ, the Son of God. And uh, this was he who declared himself to Moses as the I am. The I am. It was he, this baby right here, held by the priest, dedication, in, in, in dedication, when he was dedicated. The priest did not realize that this was he. This was the I am. It was he who in the pillar of cloud and of the fire had been the guide of Israel. This was he whom seers and had long foretold. Seers are the, the, pro the prophets. The prophets. Seers. They are S-E-E-R-S. -E -E seers. They are the prophets. They could see. They they could see visions. That's why they're they're called seers. Now this was he. This baby was he whom seers had long foretold. He was the desire of all nations. Okay, so that's by the way. That by the way is where the the title of the book, the Desire of Ages, comes from. He was the desire of all nations. This baby was the desire of all nations. The root and the offspring offspring of David. Now, that's a really interesting description, right? Because Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God, is the root, the root of David, but he's also an offspring of David because he was born under the lineage of David. The root and the offspring of David and the bride and morning star. This was that baby. The name of that helpless little babe inscribed in the roll of Israel, declaring him our brother. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Right? When he was dedicated, he was also essentially being uh, registered. I, if you will, it's like having a birth certificate for him. Right? So, he's in the and in that process, he's essentially being declared as our brother, as one with us, as a human being. This was he who was the hope of fallen humanity. Let me just re read that again. The name of that helpless little babe inscribed in the role of Israel, declaring him our brother, was the hope of fallen humanity. Wow. The child for whom the redemption money had been paid was he who was to pay the ransom for the sins of the whole world. Absolutely fascinating, right? Again, the child for whom the redemption money had been paid was he 
who was to pay the ransom for the sins of the whole world. He was the true high priest over the house of God, the head of an unchangeable priesthood, the intercessor at the right hand of the majesty on high. Hebrews 10, 21, chapter 7, verse 24, and chapter 1, verse 3. Wow. Spiritual things are spiritually discerned. Now that is a really good point. Spiritual things are spiritually discerned. In the temple, God... In the temple, the Son of God was declared, was dedicated to the work he had come to do. The priest looked upon him as he would upon any other child, because he looked ordinary. But though he neither saw nor felt anything unusual, God's act in giving his Son to the world was acknowledged. It was acknowledged. This occasion did not pass without some recognition of Christ. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him, and it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. That was what we've read. As Simeon enters the temple, he sees a family presenting their firstborn son before the priest. Their appearance bespeaks poverty. But Simeon understands the warnings of the Spirit. And he is deeply impressed that the infant being presented to the Lord is the consolation of Israel, the one he has longed to see. So it was the Holy Spirit that revealed to Simeon that this was it. This was the one you've been waiting for. To the astonished priest, Simeon appears like a man enraptured. The child has been returned to Mary, and he, Simeon, takes it in his arms and presents it to God. While a joy that he has never felt, never before felt, enters his soul. As he lifts the infant Savior toward heaven, he says... Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. Wow. The spirit of prophecy was upon this man of God. And while Joseph and Mary stood by, wondering at his words, he blessed them and said unto Mary, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. So that was what Simeon said. Anna, also a prophetess, came in and confirmed Simeon's testimony concerning Christ. As Simeon spoke, her face lighted up with the glory of God, and she poured out her heartfelt thanks that she had been permitted to behold Christ the Lord. Wow, so this is also very interesting because it was not just a... It was revealed to two people, to Anna and to Simeon, that this was the baby, this was the promised deliverer. And it's interesting that it wasn't just revealed to a guy... There was a guy, but there was also a woman. Anna. Oh. Okay, just kind of think about, of that. Okay, so, yes. So, Anna. Anna, she poured out her heartfelt thanks that she had been permitted to behold Christ the Lord. So God regards women. Okay, let's proceed. These humble worshippers, Simeon and Anna, had not studied the prop prophecies in vain again these humble worshipers had not studied the prophecies in vain but those who held positions as rulers and priests in israel though they too had before them the precious utterances of prophecy these were not talking these were not walking in the way of the lord and their eyes were not open to behold the light of life so in contrast many priests and rulers and authorities in the Jewish nation in that day, they were not walking in the way of the Lord. Wow. They were not walking in the way of the Lord. So they did not see, they did not see, they did. It wasn't revealed to them that this baby was 
the promised deliverer. But for the two people, Simeon and Anna, who were faithfully looking forward to the quote-unquote consolation of Israel, the one who will save everyone, the Redeemer, they were permitted to behold, wow, and to, 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 to realize that this was it. This was the promised Redeemer. Now let's proceed. So it is still. Events upon which the attention of all heaven is centered are undiscerned, their very occurrence unnoticed by religious leaders and worshippers in the house of God. Men acknowledge Christ in history while they turn away from the living Christ. Ooh, that was that was deep. Men or people acknowledge Christ in history while they turn away from the living Christ. Christ in his word calling to self-sacrifice in the poor and suffering who plead for relief in the righteous cause that involves poverty and toil and reproach is no more readily received today than he was 1800 years ago wow what was that again ah christ in his word is calling to self-sacrifice and he is also representing the poor and the suffering today who plead for relief he is also representing the righteous cause that involves poverty and toil and reproach. And these are not readily received today as much as he, Christ, wasn't readily received 1800 years ago. I remember, I remember that um, how we treat the least of these, my brethren, that's how we treat Christ. Wow. That just made me ponder. For I was thirsty and you gave me drink. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was, I had no clothing. I was naked and you clothed me. And Christ says that he, how we treat, how we treat these unclothed, these naked and thirsting and hungering people, how we treat them is how we treat him. Yeah, that is really ponderful. Let's proceed. Mary pondered the broad and far-reaching prophecy of Simeon. As she looked upon the child in her arms and recalled the words spoken by the shepherds of Bethlehem, she was full of grateful joy and bright hope. Simeon's words called to her mind the prophetic utterances of Isaiah, there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light, that they, they that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Isaiah chapter 11 verses 1 to 5 and chapter 9 verses 2 to 6. Yet Mary did not understand Christ's mission. Wow, that is an interesting point. Mary did not understand the mission of Christ. Even Mary did not realize the mission of Christ. So she may also have a different expectation about the nature of Christ's mission. Okay. Mary did not understand Christ's mission. Simeon had prophesied of him as a light to lighten the Gentiles, as a light to lighten the Gentiles, as well as a glory to Israel. Thus, the angels had announced the Savior's birth as tidings of joy to all peoples. God was seeking to correct, seeking to correct the narrow Jewish conception of the Messiah's work. He desired men to behold him, not merely as the deliverer of Israel, but as the redeemer of the world. So it, he, he, Jesus did not just come as 
someone who would deliver Israel from the oppression of the Roman power, but to redeem the whole world, to redeem everyone. But many years must pass before even the mother of Jesus would understand his mission. Wow, so even Mary needed to, to you know, to reconcile it in, within her mind. He, she needed to gradually understand the mission, the real nature of Christ's mission. Okay. Mary looked forward to the Messiah's reign on David's throne. So that was the context. So this was the expectation of Mary. Mary was expecting. She looked forward to the Messiah's reign on David's throne. But she saw not the baptism of suffering by which it must be won. She did not realize that Jesus had to suffer. Okay? Through Simeon, it is revealed that the Messiah is to have no unobstructed passage through the world. In the words to Mary, quote-unquote, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, quote, end quote. God in his tender mercies given, uh, God in his tender mercy gives to the mother of Jesus an intimation of the anguish that already for his sake she had begun to bear. So God revealed it through to Mary through Simeon that Jesus is actually going to suffer and that is going to pierce your heart too. God is really God really cares for Mary and she and he God is preparing her heart to to anticipate that so that when it comes it won't be so I mean so devastating. It will be still it still will be devastating as a mother to see your son rejected and then sacrificed to death on the cross. Right? But God in his mercy and his care for Mary gave that that hint, dropped that hint through Simeon that actually that actually Jesus is gonna die. This is the nature this is part of the nature of his mission on earth right now. Okay, so let's proceed. Behold, Simeon had said, This child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. They must fall who would rise again. Well, that is a good point. Those people who needed to rise again would fall first. They need to fall first. We must, okay, we must fall upon the rock and be broken now, this is a beautiful p statement. Again, they must fall who would rise again. We must fall upon the rock and be broken before we can be uplifted in Christ. Self must be dethroned. Pride must be humbled if we would know the glory of the spiritual kingdom. The Jews would not accept the honor that is reached through humiliation. Therefore, they would not receive their Redeemer. He was a sign that was spoken against. I see. I see. So Christ is to be the sign which shall be spoken against. Because the Jews, the Jews could not accept. Could not accept that they had to go through. The Jews would not accept the honor that is reached through humil humiliation. Okay, let's proceed. That the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed, quote-unquote. Okay, so, so now Ellen White expounds on that. In the light of the Savior's life, the hearts of all, even from the Creator to the Prince of Darkness, are revealed. Wow. Again, in the light of the Savior's life, the hearts of all, everyone, starting from the Creator to the Prince of Darkness, Satan, are revealed. Satan had... Satan has represented God as selfish and oppressive. Now, this is a really important point. Satan had re has represented God as selfish and oppressive and as claiming all ah, and giving nothing. So this is how Satan, again, let me just repeat that. This is how Satan, how Satan represents 
God and how he projects God. Okay? Satan has represented God as selfish and oppressive, as claiming all and giving nothing, as requiring the service of his creatures for his own glory, and making no sacrifice for their good. Wow. But the gift of Christ reveals the Father's heart. Wow, I love that. I love that so much. It testifies that the thoughts of God toward us are thoughts of peace and not of evil. Jeremiah 29:11. It declares that while God's hatred of sin is as strong as death, his love for the sinner is stronger than death. It declares that while God's hatred of sin is as strong as death, his love for the sinner is stronger than death. Wow. Isn't that powerful? Okay. Okay. <laughs> Let me just glory in that for a while. God's love. God's, God hates sin so much. It's the opposite of himself. It's the opposite. Sin is anti-love. Okay. Sin is selfishness. And God doesn't like that. But his love for the sinner is stronger than death. Having undertaken our redemption, he will spare nothing, however dear, which is necessary to the completion of his work. No truth essential to our salvation is withheld. No miracle of mercy is neglected. No divine agency is left unemployed. Favor is heaped upon favor, gift upon gift. The whole treasury of heaven is open to those he seeks to save all. Oh. Having collected the riches of the universe and laid open the resources of infinite power, he gives them all into the hands of Christ and says, All these are for man. Use these gifts to convince him that there is no love greater than mine in earth or heaven. His greatest happiness will be found in loving me. I love this paragraph. That is amazing. That is amazing. God has not withheld. No, God did not withhold anything. That's for the salvation of humanity. He he just poured out all gifts. Just to save humanity. Wow. Let's proceed. At the cross of Calvary. Ooh, this was the quote I was looking for. <laughs> Pardon me for my excitement. Oh, it's here. It says, At the cross of Calvary, love and selfishness stood face to face. I love this so much. <laughs> okay. Again, at the cross of Calvary, love and selfishness, which is essentially anti-love, which is essentially sin. Love and selfishness stood face to face. Here, here was their crowning manifestation. Christ had lived only to comfort and bless, and in putting him to death, Satan manifested the malignity of his hatred against God. Whoa. He, he Satan, made it evident that the real purpose of his rebellion was to dethrone God and to destroy him through whom the love of God was shown. Oh, awesome! <laughs> Did you see? Did you see that? Okay, so so Satan was just uh, his marketing tactic was that okay, um, you know what? God is like this. He he's a tyrant. He just wants homage to himself. He's actually selfish and oppressive. He's he's just claiming all. He doesn't give anything. That was what Satan said. Okay, that's his merchandise. That's how he marketed himself. He was destroying the image of God among the angels and among people okay now <laughs> but at the cross of calvary christ's love and satan's selfishness the principle of love and the principle of anti-love the principle of love and the principle of selfishness and self-centeredness they stood face to face here was the crowning manifestation christ i'm reading it again christ had lived only to comfort and bless that's that's how love acts to comfort and bless it's outward it's to bless people in putting him to death in putting christ to death 
Satan has manifested the malignity of his hatred against God. He, Satan, made it evident that the real purpose of his rebellion was to dethrone God. Selfishness. And to destroy him, to destroy him through whom the love of God was shown. Wow. Just wow. By the life and death of Christ, the, tr the thoughts of men are also brought to view. From the manger to the, to the cross, the life of Jesus was a call to self-surrender. The life and death of Jesus. Okay? From the manger, the life, and to the cross, the death of Jesus, the life of Jesus was a call to self-surrender and to fellowship in suffering. It unveiled the purposes of men. Jesus came with the truth of heaven and all who were listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit were drawn to him. Mm. The worshippers of self belonged to Satan's kingdom. Wow. The worshippers of self belonged to Satan's kingdom. In their attitude towards Christ, all would show on which side they stood. Uh, and thus everyone passes judgment on himself. Mm, that was a really interesting point that <laughs> we often think of the judgment as some God just judging us arbitrarily. But no, 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 no. It's our choice. We, we, we place judgment upon ourselves, whatever we choose. It's ourselves, our own choices. Mm, absolutely. The worshippers of self belong to Satan's kingdom. In their attitude towards Christ, everyone would show on which side they stood. And thus everyone passes judgment on himself. Let's proceed. In the day of final judgment, ooh, in the day of final judgment, every lost soul will understand the nature of his own rejection of truth. The cross will be presented. And its real bearing will be seen by every mind that has been blinded by transgression. Before the vision of Calvary with its mysterious victim, sinners will stand condemned. Every lying excuse will be swept away. Human apostasy will appear in its highness character. Men will see what their choice has been. Every question of truth and error in the long-standing controversy will then have been made plain. In the judgment of the universe, God will stand clear of blame for the existence or continuance of evil. Now, that is a really important point. Again, in the judgment of the universe, God will stand clear of blame for the existence or continuance of evil. It will be demonstrated that the, it will be demonstrated that the divine decrees are not accessory to sin. Whoa! There was no defect in God's government, no cause, no cause for disaffection. When the thoughts of all hearts shall be revealed, both the loyal and the rebellious will unite in declaring, Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints, who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name, for thy judgments are made manifest. Revelation fifteen three to 4 That sent me goosebumps! Honestly, I did not expect the chapter to end that way. By the way, so so that was the end of the chapter, and we now have roughly um, six minutes to cl to close this. And so, what's gonna be our um, what's gonna be our word for the day? The dedication. Oh, there there are so many rich insights right there, and that was so fascinating. So I just wanted to recap that. Uh, the priests and rulers in that day did not realize that the one they're blessing, that the one they're dedicating, that the one they're presenting and enrolling in the role of Israel, that, that the one they're registering essentially is uh, the promised deliverer. And they did not see that. On the other hand, those who really sought for the coming promised Savior, they, they were they were told by the holy spirit that okay this is now this is now the promised deliverer it was revealed to them because they were seeking for it and another point is that another point is that um the the real emphasis here is uh, the last parts of the chapter talked about 
how self must be dethroned and um how how jesus would actually would actually sift through the purposes of people the thoughts of their hearts how would christ would reveal how christ would reveal the you know the 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 thoughts and the intents of our hearts yes and so through the savior's life through christ's life on earth we would see god's true character and satan's true character and we would also see our own our own our own selves in the light of that we would also realize how much we've we would also see the the motives behind our choices we would also it will pierce us as we as we as we go through and as we study the life of Christ we would see our own defects of character wow just wow okay and in the context of the great controversy i l- really love that emphasis right there because it while we're now zooming in to the very events that happened in the the chronological events that happened in the life of Christ as a baby after wh- what happened after his birth we are being brought back to the biggest picture here that when this child would grow at the cross finally finally it will be demonstrated that Christ was there that God that's that God's way is just to bless and comfort and give and Satan on the other hand his purpose all along had been to take the throne of God Yeah, love and selfishness stood face to face at the cross of Calvary. And by Jesus' life and death, again, our thoughts will be revealed to us. Jesus' life was a life of self-surrender. Every mind that had been blinded by transgression will see will see the truth. At the end of the day, at the at the final judgment, it will be revealed that God's government had no defect at all there will be no excuses anymore there will be no excuses anymore so what's the word i don't know the word yet and if you're of course when you are listening to this you already know the word because that's going to be my title um yeah so, so what's the one thing that i've gotten from here maybe the one thing that i've gotten from here is that I mean, let me just think for a while. While you think too, while listening to this. Hmm. Contrast? Is it contrast? Because I see contrast here. It, it's not used so much. But Jesus was dedicated in the... Yeah, it, but more than the dedication, the emphasis on how... You know, how... I mean the great contrast between those who recognized Jesus and those who didn't. Yes, those who recognized Jesus and those who didn't. So maybe that. Yeah, because love and selfishness stood face to face, so it's going to be contrast for me. Okay. Let's just go with it. All right. So there's a great contrast. Oh, okay. So let's now close with prayer. Dear God, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this for fifth chapter. In the book that is our ages where we see a real contrast between the thoughts and interests of people's hearts and how Jesus' life would reveal the very thoughts and intents of our hearts too. That was a rich chapter. That was a rich chapter. Thank you for giving everything for us actually and for revealing to us that that was everything behind the scenes and may from now on may we see things through this context through this lens through this spiritual eyes that we are actually battling a great controversy right here and it's about the love principle and the anti-love principle and it's uh that it, you're worth the choice honestly you're worth the choice because you you don't mean us any harm honestly and everything that we think about you is uh, just a product of cr- of satan's misrepresentation of you and christ 
reveals that you are actually a great, generous, loving, self-giving God. Thank you so much for everything. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you.